This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast. And another week has gone. Actually, it's not even quite another week. It's only been five days since the last game, I think it was. We played Brighton on Friday night. We lost 3-0. And we're looking forward ahead to Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday. But we're sort of playing Sheffield Wednesday, but it's a bit of a weird one because this is actually sort of our sort of mid-season, end-of-season podcast, isn't it? Because we had our end-of-season podcast, so we're kind of in the middle of all the end-of-season stuff. It's not a new, se- new season. Sort of, or the pre-new season podcast, anyway. You know. But listen, I'm Billy Grant, and I'm here. It's already the start of the season. Hooray! Have we bought any players yet? No, actually, we haven't, but we won't talk about that. And uh, I'm in the studio here with a few characters. Mr. Dave Lane, how are you doing? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm, I'm a bit tired, actually, if I'm being truthful. Had a bit of a bit of a mad weekend, so uh, yes, I need this weekend to come round quickly so I can have a lay in at some stage. Listen, this weekend's going to come round enormously quickly because uh, you know it's a resting day. A Saturday is a day of rest for some, but anyway, we're, we're, Nick Carfew is also liberal. Nick is back. We 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 missed you sort of last. I think it was last week, Nick. We, we you were banned from the studio, weren't you? Yeah, been around for a month. Bonjour, comment allez-vous? Jure, jure, bien. I could understand all of that because I was actually in France last weekend as well. So uh, you know, you, you don't you don't get one up on me on that one. You know, so, good to be back, buddy. Good to good to have you back as well, Nick. Which is good. We will come back to your little French experience in a minute. We can actually swap tales. We've also got the Allard. He, you know, he's a regular. He, he you know, he, he 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 moves with us all the time. He doesn't sort of shoot off every now and again. The Allard, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, good evening to everybody. And yeah, been an interesting few days. Um, I think the best thing, though, was the... Did anyone see, else see Nick Prosfit's, um his first goal for his new team? Ball in face. Ball in face goal. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Just Google it. Or, um, or so explain, Matt, explain exactly what happened for the people that don't know what happened. Well, our prolific ex-goal scorer, Nick Prosfitz, was making his debut for a new team. 
um, called Saint something somebody or another. Um, and, sorry, and why is he there for this Saint something team? I mean, what, just explain why is he playing for this team? Because shortly he had a team beforehand in Germany, Paderborn, didn't he? He did have a team beforehand, but um, we have discussed this on the podcast. Um, there was, there was I'm, I can't actually remember the details, but um, he pulled his trousers involved, down. Involved um, um, a young lady who maybe didn't want to see bits of him or something like that. Um, and um, and he got, so he's gone to his new team. He got fi- he got fired. Uh, he has been fired, has he? Right, okay. And, um, thank you for helping me with this. And anyway, so the important bit with his new team was um, he was playing um, in his first game. And um, he scored a goal, which essentially was about a yard from the goal line. I think a guy was hooking it off the goal line as hard as possible. Hit him smack in the face, bounced in the goal. And um, he and collapsed he got... to the floor as, as the rest of his teammates ran off to celebrate. <laughs> he got knocked full out, didn't he? He did. So, was... so, so there you go. And he never did that for Brentford, did he? Um, what that. score? Well, well, he did actually. I think he scored against, did he score against Dagenham? Yeah, I remember. He did, yeah. yeah, he scored. A, yeah, I think that was that yeah, was a, I think that was on the goal line as well, or near enough, wasn't it? Didn't he score at Rotherham as well? He did actually. He did score. Maybe the Rotherham goal was the one that was at the goal line. But yes. But anyway. But Nick, just coming back to you. So what have you been up to? Me? Yeah. No, I've been round and round about the place, work, working away. Um, not seeing much football actually. Although I did see this weekend for the first time this season uh, a whole game involving Leicester City, and boy was I impressed by them. Um, Dave, I know, has been singing their praises in the past, but uh, wouldn't it be wonderful to see a team like Leicester City win the Premier League? And I just hope that uh, Claudio Ranieri and his team can go and stick two fingers up at all those posh posh blokes in Arsenal, Chelsea, Man U, Tottenham, you know, Man City. Stuff it to them. Go and win the league. Good luck on them. Particularly particularly Chelsea, the team that sacked him as well, because he was tinkering too much, apparently, wasn't he? Absolutely. What I'll be doing, I'll tell you, when when we travel the country watching the Brentford result, I'll be still be keeping an eye out for the Leicester result. Well, Indeed. even if they even if they don't win the league, they're they're twelve points inside the the safety zone to qualify for the Champions League, which is still totally remarkable. But yeah, as you say, it's a fairy tale story, and I hope I hope they can go and finish it because it's just an inspiration. Mm. Um, yeah, the only the, the, my only the only worry is, is that Ranieri. I think this is his seventh. Um, opportunity to win a league going into the last couple of months being in the top three or four and um, he's yet to deliver one so um, he has sort of history of it not quite happening that well he's, he's got the pizzas on the go he's got the he's got the you know the incentive pizzas this time so you know he never had that before so maybe that's the the reason why they're winning all their games but that is real top statting from Matt <laughs> I just read it in an article to be honest yeah still so listen and Mr Lane Dave, how are you doing? You right there? What you been? Yeah. What, what have you, stroke we, been up to? Well, from the debacle at uh, at Brighton on on Friday night, which, which we, we'll briefly talk about in a little bit, we'll move on from that. We we uh, hightailed it back to uh, London straight afterwards. Got three minutes sleep, <laughs> and then um, got up and went to Stansted to fly to Marseille, where we were fortunate enough to be invited by the Marseille Ultras, to go and see Marseille versus Paris Saint-Germain on, on the Sunday evening. Um, and my God, I've, I've been to football pretty much all the way around the world and I've seen some things in my time, but I don't think I've ever seen or witnessed an atmosphere quite as hate-fueled as that. <laughs> um, they, n- no, no away fans. Paris Saint-Germain were banned 
um, by the police for attending because the police couldn't um, guarantee their safety. Um, and oh, I, I just didn't fully understand the the the, the just just the, the just the dis- despising of the Parisians by by the Marseille folk. Um, Marseille is a pretty special place um, if you're with them. You don't want to be there if you're against them. Um, and excuse my French, but the one thing I will uh, um, I will take away for always is that uh, I was told that um, no matter whether you're Moroccan, Tunisian, Algerian, black, white, French, whatever you are, you are Marseille. And someone said, if you fuck with Marseille, Marseille fucks with you. And that was kind of the most most threatened i've i've ever felt and uh, it was it's a it's a, an amazing place it was an amazing place and we were, again we we're doing another one of our little filming projects and our documentaries being invited into the home of the ultras saturday night we kind of went around to their house and they invited all their mates around you know beer wine pizzas and we just talked football and all sorts of stuff and then they took us onto the game on saturday we filmed a lot with them and we talked a lot about england coming to marseille for the first time since 1998 and that was one of the themes of the things that we did which was really interesting um, because as, as Lainey said you know the whole situation is that they felt completely insulted by people burning flags it wasn't necessarily the flag of the country that they came from it was the flag of a, of a, of a different country like Algeria and they might have come from you know a different country altogether but they said we're all Marseille people together so because we all coming together a few phone calls went in next minute the whole city was out and it was absolute mayhem so uh, they're, they're, they're waiting with tender hooks for, for the Euros and for England coming back. But to be fair, they were relatively positive saying, listen, you come here, you drink your beer, you have your party, you have a laugh. It won't be a problem. But basically, if you take the piss, it's, it's going to be all over because, you know, you know, Marseille's a big place. It's got mafia. It's got all sorts of characters and they're not going to, 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 to hack it. So it was great because we felt we were on the right side of the fence with these characters and <laughs> they were going to back our corner at any, any time as well. Hey, and, Bill, Bill yeah. talk, me through, talk me through the goal, the, their equaliser. When was the last time you saw a bundle like that, mate? Well, it's, it's funny as well. We were warned. They said to us, look, you know, be very careful. You've got your cameras inside the ground. But, you know, when the when the goal comes, it's going to be, it's just going to be mayhem, like, you know. So, you know, and we thought, yeah, yeah, we, we'd, be, we'd be loads of goals. We don't have to worry about that. So, yeah, so just, I mean, that, they scored the goal and it was absolute mayhem. I got the camera focused back on the crowd. You see the crowd go mental. Then next minute, boom. And I went on the floor, I was surrounded, I was all people on top of me. I looked around, I see Laney was on the floor, he had people all on top of him. Never been involved in a bundle for about 25 years. It just was, you know, it was complete and utter carnage. And like I say, they talk about safe standing. You've got these people that say, oh my God, everyone needs to sit down. You know, like I said, at this place, is like, if you want to stand, be on the goal. That's what you do. Everyone be on the goal. It's like, you've got to get behind your team and sing. And everyone stands. That's just the rules, unofficial rules, but that's what they are. And they understood it. And if you want to sit, it's not a problem. It's cool, but you sit on the sides. That's where you sit because this is where it happens behind the goal. And for me, I think that was great. But you talk about the safe standing thing. The fact is that it had seats which weren't used. So what's the point? What is, it's just a ridiculous rule that has been put in place. But no one, absolutely no one sits on there. And it's dangerous. Like, you know, there's no way that you weren't going to get tumbled, bumbled, not looked over. Stewards not interested. You know, there's none of that. It's just like you get on with it. You do your own thing, and everyone helps each other out. So, uh, you know, the safe standing thing. People are going to talk about that. Going to be reviewed in due course. 
But like I said to you, just coming back to the last day, I mean, it was a proper, proper hardcore atmosphere. And I know the people who, like I said, that, we went to places like Preston, wicked atmosphere during the game. You take that and multiply that by about sort of 10,000. Like, you know, can you imagine the whole stadium just being like that for the whole game, just being completely rabid and being on their team? And for us, football, football misses that. I said to Laney, we had a conversation, which is interesting, with the ultras who love British football, don't they? They love it. Yeah, yeah. But they were talking about the fact that, you know, we go to England, we watch football, but they said that they felt that the, the passion had been taken out of it. The authorities had kind of sort of kind of cleansed it and given it a really sort of slightly antiseptic feel to it by, by just doing certain things, which just kind of knocked the passion out of our game. And you can see that a lot in the Premier League when you see games of football. And you can see that at a lot of games that even we go to. We get some games which are brilliant atmosphere, but some of them just they just aren't. And uh, they, they go out their way to ensure that their stadium is rocking at all times, even when they were 1-0 down. They went 1-0 down after two minutes. So you think, all right, it's all over. But no, they didn't, they didn't stop. They just kept going. Well, it seems to me, Bill, that they've got, um, you know, and this bringing it back to, to England and, and, and what's happening topically, it, it seems to me that the, um, the, the, the club owners and the, uh, the, the, the governing bodies over there have got more respect for their fans and they, they seem to take on board what, what they need. You know, um, they've, they've got a redesigned stadium there and they've, they've, they've integrated, like, you know, these guys are allowed to stand on pedestals with microphones and, and whip the crowd into a frenzy. And the, the, they do stand on the seats um, and it's, it's just ignored because they just know that that's what the fans want to do. And we, we seem to have bowed so, so low and let, let, let sort of uh, the authorities kind of do what they want to us and charge what they want. Well. They do, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah, as but well. it seems, seems to be a, a slight tipping point, and I think you know what's happening in the news. We will talk about it. It seems the tide's turning. So maybe firstly it'll be ticket prices, and then you know it won't be it won't be a, a you know taboo subject to talk about safe standing. And maybe in ten years' time, we, you know we'll we'll get to a position where we deserve to be. Hopefully, we will do. But listen, let's just let's. Forget about the safe standing. Let's forget, forget about the mad ultras. Let's forget about the French uh, scenario. Um, and let's cast our minds back to Brighton. Like I said, it's only five days ago. I know a lot of people want to forget that game because it is a little bit of a nightmare. And what's worse, it was on television, so the whole world saw that Brentford weren't really firing on all cylinders or half cylinders or very many cylinders on Friday night. But we're not going to discuss that now. We're going to go back to the pub after the game where there were quite a few drunken Brentford fans who were trying to put themselves out of their misery to explain what they saw on the pitch on Friday night. The thing is, like, we've gone on to Sky, we've made them look... People are going to be watching that game going, oh, yeah, Brighton are actually all right. To be honest, we were just absolutely terrible. I mean, I hope they enjoyed their season. We did last year, but we're just awful at the moment. I'm just glad that we're all in the knowledge that we go week in, week out, we support the club and we know we're going to be in the Championship next season, so it doesn't really matter. I think it's the competition on the bench that made the difference today because we had Sidwell on the bench, we had Loire Loire that's coming back. You know, everyone's like competition for places. We've won the last two games. We're three points from the top and, you know, this is going to be our season. You know, we've got a massive stadium. You know, everything is ready for the Premiership and that's, you know... 
we're bang on. Yeah, well, you know, it's all down to Hewton and the signings that he makes in January to push this club forward. And I believe that that's what's going to happen. You know, and we're all ready for it. I was really impressed with um, Brentford, and I think they, you know, they played really, really well. And Stockdale in the 15 minutes did like, a world-class save. You know, it could have been either way. That performance was absolutely embarrassing. We didn't even look like scoring. I mean, like before we went one nil up, maybe we did look like scoring before then. But after that, as soon as the first goal goes in with Brentford lately, it's like the players all get their heads down. We've only got one goal in this team every single game. As soon as we go 1-0 down, the players just seem to give up the, the fight. Last year, the players showed passion. They would push every single man for the ball. They would chase every single ball. This year, it just seems like nobody's bothered. They're not chasing the ball. They're just compact and sticking to their position. What's that all about? Personally, I'm very happy because we can't compete with the muscle weights. Matthew Benham has done a fantastic, fantastic job of doing what he has done. He's a loyal fan. He does, he's, he's changed his club from, a, from a, a club that no one wants to a club that someone wants. We will compete eventually, but the, fit, the FFP fair play is not going to do us any good. But Benham knows exactly what he's doing. We've seen this a lot over the last two seasons, you know. Um, giving simple goals away. The main thing that I'm seeing this season, though, is um, just lack of a cutting edge, lack of a kind of thrust, and I think that is the big missing piece in our jigsaw at the minute. Going forward, we play some absolutely brilliant stuff. We can go round teams, play pretty triangles, go side to side and back round the other side and try that way, but we will get muscled off the ball going forward. The ball will break down, we'll get hit on the counter-attack, and teams, I think, just know how to play against us. Maybe it's second season syndrome, Maybe teams have worked us out. I just wish we would have bought someone with a bit more cutting edge in the transfer window to, you know, maybe bang in a couple of goals for us. We played decent football in the middle third of the pitch and we controlled the game in the middle third of the pitch. Um, but we were, um, at the back, we we struggled. I thought Brighton were clinical. And, um, and at the front, we showed no... We were the opposite to Brighton, I suppose, in the front, you know, in the... Um, in the third of the pitch nearest the goal, nearest their goal. So, is the season over? Um, I, I don't know whether the guy that was saying the season was over was looking forwards or looking over his shoulder. Um, we've just got to make sure that we... Um, I don't know if keep plugging away is the right thing. I mean, probably not. At the moment, what we lack is, is um, yeah, that penetration word. And um, Philippe up front um, has worked at times this season, but only when the three playing behind him uh, are looking likely to score. And to be fair, I don't really think anyone did today. So that's the thoughts of the fans, Brentford fans, Brighton fans, discussing what they saw on the pitch on Friday night. Um, interesting for some people out there as well, because obviously they saw the game, so they saw the full 90 minutes. They probably saw the game better than what we saw. So fans go back to the pub after seeing whatever they could see on the pitch, constricted view, the ball at the other end. So you can only say what you say. So the passions after the game are just, you know, what, what you really feel. So it's interesting for you, if you saw the game on TV, to listen to what the fans said after the game and, and see you know, if you can compare it, you know, if compare exactly what they thought but listen I mean you guys we were all there on Friday night uh, it was a good thing we had a bit of a drink up before the game because it actually made the night a little bit easier to more palatable I think I'd say but is there one sentence that will sum up that Brighton game for you Nick 
rubbish performance. Okay, fair enough, Nick. Straight to the point. Matt? Should have stayed in the pub. <laughs> Dave? Too light up front. Too light up front. And, and for me, obviously, could do better. Whether or not we will do better is a different scenario altogether. We'll, that is a bigger subject that we're not even going to talk about today because we've talked about that a lot. But let's move on to other things. This week's been a little bit light in the bees news. Like I said to you, normally, you know, when the, when the season's over, you know, we get to the close season. We have a few weeks where it's all a little bit kind of no news. Then things start to happen when we start to buy a few new players. So uh, we're at that stage where, like I said, news is a little bit light. So we've been looking around the league. So we're going to discuss a few things happening in and around at Brentford but also maybe a few things happening in and around the league this week. So this podcast is recorded on Wednesday the 10th of February 2016, exactly one year to the day from the infamous Warburton Gate. What is Warburton Gate, some people ask? That's when Mark Warburton, it was announced in the press, that he would be leaving Brentford for various reasons. It was leaked to the press, should we say, by some unknown character. We're not going to dwell on that as such, but, you know, we just thought that it being one year from Warburton Gate, there was an interesting article in Guest West, Get West London, bit of a tongue tie, that one, saying, have Brentford taken a step backwards one year after Warburton Gate and our building blocks in place? So, you know, we maybe just talk about this a little bit, just because we are one year on from the Mark Warburton situation, just to find out what the scenario is. They mentioned the fact... Was Mark Warburton sacked? We all know about that a lot. But the, interestingly is that a lot of people in the world don't know that at all or don't know what the real situation is. Again, we don't want to dwell on it as such. But I mean, how many people have you kind of had to explain the exact situation with Mark Warburton, Nick? Oh, uh, too, too many to mention. Um, and, you know, it, it's getting rather boring now discussing it. Uh, it I remember you say it was a year ago. I remember being in exactly the same place a year ago, having what was probably one of the longest recorded podcasts that we did, I reckon, um, about the whole saga. The king is dead. Long live the king. Let's move on. We've, we've had lots of up and down, down since then. I can't see the point of revisiting history. We are where we are, um, to use that old cliche. Uh, and what we'll have to do is now look forward. I think, actually, the next um, three months is a telling time in the history of Dean Smith and the history of Brentford Football Club. Uh, I think with who else is currently around on the managerial market, there may be something to happen. So let's just see where we go. But, that, I mean... I like Mark Warburton. Thought he did a fantastic job for us, but please let's, again, let's, let's set him to one side. Yes, we have. We have. Again, we're not hanging on the Warburton thing at all. We're not doing that at all. We're just—it's one year anniversary. The article's out. We're just talking around it. And I think it's interesting you talk about Dean Smith. Um, the article actually points out that Warburton wasn't sacked because of the stats as such, because he used stats within what he did, but it was also because of the veto, the fact that he wasn't allowed to sign anybody he wanted to, and he couldn't knock back any players. Whereas Smith is allowed to do that or Smith has accepted that um, and it's interesting to, to know whether or not that swings in his favour whether it doesn't swing in his favour and how much power he has um, within the setup. Uh, there really is no use raking over old grounds you know. Orburton, Orburton Gate but it's, I, know. It's, I mean oh, can we move on because it's so boring now I, it's, 
it's like it's like a reoccurring bored boring conversation if people don't get it now they just need to i don't know i can't find uh, you, you can only you can only explain it so many times we, we kind of in a way um said it last week in the podcast that there there are certain um you know football fans of other clubs that bang on about things that happened in history and we sort of laugh at them but we're in danger of doing the same um as as a group of fans and um and you know that there were some good times, and we should remember the rushes and stuff of the good stuff. But um, if we don't move on, you know, we need to, we need to draw a line. So interesting views there from from the lads, and it's interesting because I, I read this article. Um, I thought a little bit of the oh here we go again the Warburton Gate. As soon as I saw that in the title, I thought oh no, but um, it was quite interesting because it's a year on. Some people have moved on, other people are still stuck in this uh, this world that we should or we shouldn't have. But, I mean, I thought that there's actually some quite good summaries in here from, from the journalists about certain things. So you should do a little Google on uh, Get West London and talk about the Warburton Gate article. But like I said to you, there's, like I said, a few summaries. And I think in the end, what the journalists were saying is that, you know, Brentford have taken a step backwards, but they are stronger moving forwards. And the fact is that, you know, taking a step backwards, sometimes you have to when you're in a rebuilding phase. Companies do that sometimes. They go through bad times. They actually go back, they take a few steps back, they lay off a few staff or whatever they have to do, and then they move forward, and two or three years later, they're on stronger, in a stronger position. And I think that this whole article kind of was moving forward and saying that, um, not necessarily rose-tinted glasses, because he also pointed out a few bad things, or quite a few things that have happened which haven't gone exactly to plan within the club as well. Um, so I think, you know, it kind of gave a little bit of a balanced view, and it's a personal view from the journal as well. You can have a look at that, like I said, get West London, see whether or not you believe it or not. Maybe you want to write into them or uh, leave a message on the Besotted website or uh, drop a line to us on our Facebook page to see what you and think. I, and, I, and I think, you know, following on from that as well, I mean, we, we did run a piece today by Pete Atkinson, was, which is about focusing on the, on the silver linings, not the dark clouds, which was, I guess, I guess was similar. You know, yeah, yeah. There's been there's been upheaval, but there there are there are and there there are and there is a lot to to be uh, to be sort of uh, positive about still. So um, you know, it's it's not all it's not all doom and gloom, which is the truth. I would think it's just difficult for you to actually say that when you've just been whipped three nil by Burnley and three nil by um Brighton. by Brighton as well. And you have to pay thirty six quid to go up to Sheffield on Saturday and pay thirty quid plus thirty five, forty quid for your train and your beer and your food and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of that's diff- that's difficult for the fans to stomach and I hope the clubs and the team and the players all understand that. But listen, we're gonna talk about what else has been happening around. Talk about ticket prices, thirty six pounds for Sheffield Wednesday. I'm gonna say this and I'll say this again, absolutely disgraceful, disgusting Talk about tickets on sale, though. QPR tickets have gone on sale this week. Um, £32 in the top stand, £27 in the other stand. Different prices if you're an OAP or a junior, but probably not much less. Still quite a lot of money, to be quite honest with you. 32 quid um, at QPR. Um, 20 is plenty and all that. But there's a lot of Brentford fans who are a little bit nervous because it's one ticket per season ticket holder, and they think that sales are not going to go out of the season ticket holder camp. So if you've got a season ticket hold, um, you're guaranteed. If you haven't, you've got to rely on a mate. Um, it's all a little bit mayhem in the bees camp at the moment now, isn't it, guys? Yeah, um, it is. That's, that's the game that no one wants to miss. But, you know, the the problem is, is the old, uh, 
how many fans can you actually fit in in that end? You know, they're not they're not. It's 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 a it's a cramped, fairly small stadium. It's um, it's one of the, one of the smallest stadiums we we we've played at apart from ours this this season. So um, the the away end only holds. You know, it's not like a Fulham situation. Where Two and a half thousand, I think it is. Yeah, you can't take as many as you want. Um, you know. <sighs> If that's if that's that's what it holds, that's what it holds. It's going to be it's going to be a full house. It's not like they're not they're, another section is going to be empty. That's that's all it holds. And if we've got that many season tickets, that's that's the way it is. It's um, yeah, ain't great, but that's that's all that's that's the capacity. And and just harking back to me because a lot of people have been asking about QPR. A lot of fans who the younger fans haven't actually never been to QPR because it's you know it's quite a while since actually we went down to Loftus Road. It's, it's, has, it, has it been over ten years or probably eight or nine years? So I can't remember. So a lot of the younger fans can't remember. So uh, can you remember any tales or anything that's uh, made you fond or not fond of or anything that you remember about going to Loftus Road? The Mark McCammon miss is is something that will will, will stay with me forever. Um, I remember you, you, your fancy dress open top bus, Bill. That's um, how we, we lived it. Another time we lived to tell the tale. Oh, that, yeah, that's <laughs> right. That was, that was quite mad, actually. Ever. That was off the back of the Cameron Diaz um, uh, from Hollywood. So we decided to all dress up as Hollywood stars and went on an open top double decker bus to QPR, about 50 of us. And we went around the roundabouts sort of singing Brentford songs in Darth Vader outfits and sort of kind of Star Wars and all sorts of nonsense that was going on. And uh, people were really confused, including the police. And then we kind of walked to the ground in uh, this fancy dress and uh, we were behind the goal. And we, we, we got away, start, I think they were just so confused that we were dressed up like that. They just left us alone, didn't they? There's another time that fancy dress has saved our skin. <laughs> yeah, Stoke, were... Stoke was the other time, I think, yeah. wasn't it? God, you blimey. were waving your lightsaber, were you? I, I was, actually. I was waving my lightsaber. Actually, it was, I can't believe, actually, I've got my lightsaber into the ground. I don't think, uh, don't think I'll get my lightsaber in the ground uh, nowadays. We'll see if I post a few photographs stuff on the, 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 the You're Facebook You're not even allowed page. to take a selfie stick in anymore, Bill, let alone a, a lightsaber. Oh, dear, you know. Well, there's, 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 there's places that you can stick your selfie stick that no one is actually going to search you. So uh, I think you still get away with that, like, you know. Just going back to the point about tickets, though, do bear in mind that the conversation we're having about QPR is presumably the conversation that clubs like Derby, Middlesbrough, uh, and whoever have about when they come to us because they only get 1,800 tickets. I mean, lots of them have lots of uh, other, uh, you know, uh, more season ticket holders who can't be accommodated for games down at Griffin Park. So it's nice to be regarded as, uh, you know, having to deal with uh, a limited ticket allocation for a change. It is. It is a change. And also, to be fair, the ticket price of £32 isn't much... Uh higher than our top ticket price in the seats for 30 quid, which we have put our hands on the table and we said we're very embarrassed that we charge £30 and we've actually spoken to the club about it. And we were in talks with the club as a bias and talks with the club about our ticket prices because we can't really complain about other people's high ticket prices if we're charging high ticket prices ourselves. But we'll move on to quickly to Liverpool, talking about protesting and making your noise noises. Liverpool have showed, listen, if we make some noise and we're not happy about things, things are going to change. The guys from the Spirit of Shankly, I know them really well because I'm on the FSF board and I work with those guys and they're proper hardcore. They've gone out there and they've turned around. I remember they said to me, listen, I'm forgetting all this. Forget all this negotiating stuff because people don't listen to us. We need to actually properly protest and go out there and do things. So at one, we had a meeting at the Football League, we, um, Premier League. We met with Scooter Moore and he gave us a few platitudes but didn't do anything. So they said, we're going to hit the sponsors. And then Spirit of um, um, Shankly went out. 
hit the sponsors. They were brilliant. They went outside, outside Barclays Bank. All the sponsors were calling them up and said, don't do that, please. You know, we're going to listen to you. This time, they said they weren't happy because the football, league, uh, football Premier League on Thursday decided that they were going to knock the proposal to cap the prices. It was very close. It was only about one or two or three votes, maybe, that would have got us to have the prices capped in the Premier League, which would have filtered down to the lower leagues. Because if the Premier League are capping the price at 30 quid, how could Sheffield Wednesday charge 36 quid? So that would have been great. But they knocked it out, you know, and they absolutely knocked, knocked it out. And they said no. So Spirit of Shankly in a day said, we're not having this. They had their protest on Saturday and they walked out on 77th minute and they walked out the ground. News went all around the world within... 24 hours or 48 hours, Liverpool went, oh, I'm really sorry. We fluffed it. We're going to change it. We're going to lower the prices. And it just goes to show what protests could do. I mean, that is amazing. Don't you think, boys? I think it is. And I think um, also I think you need to uh, take a little bit of credit or a, a fair your, your, your portion of the credit because, you know, you, you are on the FSF board. You have given your time up to go and go up to the Premier League and um, the Football League and the FA and, and take the take the debate to the people who um, who are in a position to make those make those changes and it's, it's part of the pressure bill and you know a lot of those, there are there are people that just simply say oh you know we we can't we we you know we're charging too much so you know we what can we say about it well you know it shows you that if you you know if you do get up off your ass and you and you and you do put pressure on in the right way it, you can you can make a difference you don't it's not you, if you tweet a couple of things it's obviously not going to happen you need you need to, to to you know to put your money where your mouth is and, and and go and do something about it which you've done and i think um you know as you said the spirit of shankly people who who i was fortunate enough to meet when i went up to the fsf conference up in manchester back in the summer you know they 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 are they are really motivated and really focused, and they 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 will they will get things done. And it, 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 I was listening to the you know, Radio Five Live this evening, and they're talking about it on there. Um, and um, Jamie Carragher was one of the ones that walked out of the stadium as well. And um, on the, so we've, we've, we seem to be reaching a tipping point. And it's not it's not just happened because you know the, the, the clubs and the authorities have decided it's a good idea. They they've been forced to do it. Um, so you know, fan pressure does work. And as I said, and I touched upon earlier, you know, if we can win this argument, and we then hopefully can move on to the safe standing debate. Um, there, there is a there is an appetite for change, and uh, you know, fortunately, we've got organisations like the FSF and people like yourselves that are, um, are prepared to give up their time and put their effort into making this happen. Yeah, and hilariously as well, David Cameron even mentioned it on the. Uh... Question time was brought up in Prime Minister's Question Time today as well, which I was, which I was watching, and and I thought, you know, how many times do you talk about sort of fan protests and people walking out of stadiums and stuff like that at Question Times, and they're talking about the fact that you know potentially it might be might be ramped up, and uh, it's just embarrassing for football clubs. And I could tell you this for a fact: I think the next stage that we're looking at is because it's been so successful is hitting the sponsors, because obviously if a sponsor uh, sponsors a club, you know whatever club it may be. The last thing they want to know is that the people they're trying to reach through sponsoring that club is unhappy. So instead of going to the clubs if they're not listing, they're thinking, let's go to the sponsors and tell them they're not happy. So getting the fans to mobilise and just say to the sponsor, excuse me, you're trying to hit me because you want my business, but I'm actually not happy with you know the business you're you're going into. And it's, it's actually quite a hardcore way of actually kind of uh, hitting people. So just look out for that one and make sure that you're all mobilised. But I'm going to get off my soapbox now. And no. we're going to... Hello? 
build come off your soapbox because i think there are two things here one non-violent direct action does work and let's let's encourage it two to everybody who complained about the ticket price for sheffield wednesday really i recommend when you get there don't buy the pie don't buy the program don't buy a drink from their ground do all that outside the ground. Use one of the independent suppliers away from Sheffield Wednesday. Because if Sheffield Wednesday start getting hit in the pocket by away supporters not buying their their overpriced and pretty disgusting lager or by buying a pie or a burger or a programme, that's the way you start to get the message through. Get your entertainment in, get your drink, get your food before the game, outside the ground, have have all that. 90 minutes, go into the ground, cheer on the bees, but don't spend any more money with Sheffield Wednesday because that's the way that away fans can show that £36 is an absolute disgrace. OK, and, and Wednesday fans, listen, this is not a disrespect for you as a fans. This is as fans sticking together to actually show that you're not happy with the prices. And, you know, if you were to do the same thing at Brentford, we would understand and we say, OK, that's fair enough. We understand the reasons why. So it's not a disrespect on you as fans. This is a more of a footballing matter to say that, hold on a second, come on, guys, just don't take the piss out of us. That's the situation there. And, and Bill, that's, Bill, that's a very important point because when, when we discuss ticket prices, there's nothing that really grates with me more when supporters of other clubs, um, you know, come on Twitter, and I'm sure we've got our own selection of fans that do it, and try and justify why their club is charging us 36 or 40 quid or whatever, because, you know, they're a big club and we'll be excited to go there. That that winds me up, because as a group of fans, we have to stick together on this um, and forget our inter-club rivalries and, you know, and stick together on it. I mean, I, I know it's not possible, but uh, well, when I say it's not possible, anything is possible. I know it's not going to happen. But when you think of what the Liverpool fans achieved by walking out on 77 minutes, imagine what an actual boycott of a game would achieve. Well, well that's, that is hardcore. And that's, that's the different scenario because fans obviously don't want to see that they're hitting their clubs. And that's the reason why the boycotts happen where they go in, they pay the money, then they come out, which has a big impact. Um, but if, if, interestingly, I'm not saying this should happen. But clubs would be very scared if fans decided that they had enough and decided to boycott games. Not saying that should happen, but I'm just saying this is interesting to show how scared they've already been to show the effect of Liverpool fans creating a big hole in the stadium. And, and um, Bayern Munich fans did it at Arsenal as well because they weren't charged ridiculous money. They were charged 60 quid and they actually didn't come into the game till after about five or ten minutes. And then they all came in the big rush and that made a lot of news as well. But listen, we're going to move on because we're talking about the game on Saturday playing Sheffield Wednesday and uh, is the, we're not going to talk about it as yet because we're going to speak to James from the Wednesday Week podcast because he knows everything about Wednesday. He's going to give us the lowdown right now. So Saturday approaches. Bees are on the way up the M1 to Sheffield. Sheffield Wednesday, Hillsborough to be precise because they've got a game against Sheffield Wednesday who they claim are on their way back. Brentford are in a similar position last year where we were absolutely rocking and rolling by the time it came to February. But it looks like Wednesday may be the team this season to have taken our place, pushing for the playoffs. I've got James Marriott from the Wednesday Week podcast on the line. He's going to be giving us the exact SP as what's going down up in Wednesday. James, how are you doing? Evening, hello. You good, man? You good? Good? You're buzzing? Very good. Looking forward to what I reckon is going to be an excellent game of football on Saturday. An excellent game of football is. Uh, I said we'll have to keep our fingers crossed for that one. But look, I mean, you guys, you, you you've not been doing too bad the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months, even have you? 
We were unbeaten in 2016 so far, which is great. A um, few draws in there, but I think they've all been uh, what we were classed as being quite good draws. So we, we, we got a point against Burnley, um, who I think you found out can be a pretty good team on, um, on their day. Um, and then obviously on Saturday, we went down to um, Birmingham and um, actually in a very not dissimilar way to when we came down to your place back in um, September or whenever it was. Um, probably didn't fully deserve it. Bit of a smash and grab, but we came back with uh, three points. So there's a very positive vibe around um, you, you the did. football club at the moment. You did. And talking about that Birmingham game, actually, I was watching a video which did make me chuckle where uh, the Wednesday fans were uh, obviously in Birmingham. You've got that really bizarre scenario where they put the executive boxes right in the away end. Which yeah. I, I can't understand why they would do that. And uh, there was one guy who was obviously intent on not watching the game, but he just filmed the people in the executive box the whole time when you yeah. equalised and also scored that, um, that winning goal. And then yeah, his face is an absolute picture, isn't it? It's an absolutely brilliant video. And it's been, uh, yeah, it's been very much doing the rounds um, up here. And I think it's probably spread to uh, the rest of the country as well. I don't understand why clubs do that, where they put the executive boxes in the away end. They do it at Blackburn as well, which seems really strange. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'd been we'd been under the co- the cosh quite a bit in that game. We'd lost altogether. We lost three players through injury. One in the warm up. Um, we lost our goalkeeper after ten minutes, um, and uh, Sam Hutchinson, our midfielder, about five minutes after that. So it kind of felt like the sort of day where everything was going against us. So um, I think what you saw in that video was the kind of the release of happiness at, at getting three points in a game where we probably expected to get nothing. And I think we would probably actually be very, very happy with that because we went to Birmingham and technically we probably should be. We played you know, not too bad there and they, they nabbed the points there. So I think it's a flip side situation now now, 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 now with us, um, you know, with, with you guys um, actually doing the business up there. But look, and also I just see as well, you, I mean, you had a couple of not so great results. I mean, you lost to, to MK Don's franchise FC and, uh, mm. and also Borough. I mean, everyone... <laughs> everyone most people lose to Borough because they're a very functional side. But like yeah. I said, like I said you've, you've had a like I said you've had a pretty decent decent run. And um, I mean our background, we, we, I mean obviously we know a little bit about you guys because we were up there a few weeks ago. We did a we did a visit uh, for the seventy two review. It's another little project we're on, you know. And yeah. we actually asked the question, you know, we got no, you know, we're neutral in that scenario. But we just thought we'd come up to Wednesday and we'd ask you guys. And all the Wednesday fans, you know, why do you really believe that Wednesday are on their way back? I mean, tell us why. Um, I mean, we've, we've been, for, for several seasons now, we've been an average championship team. And, and, and the players that we've brought in have been kind of, kind of bargain basement players. Um, we've, we've not really spent a huge amount of money in terms of recruitment. And that was a sort of an acceptance around the club of the fact that we were you know, we were bang average and, and that's, that's all we were going to be until someone else came along um, and, and, and took over the club. And, and that's exactly what's happened. So we've got an owner that's come in that's, that's pumped money in. He's not pumped stupid money in. Um, our entire squad cost about a million pounds more than Jordan Rhodes cost um, Middlesbrough to, to buy. Um, so it's, it's not been daft money. Um, you know, it's a fairly hefty wage bill, but, you know, he's, he's brought some really good players into the club. Um, who are playing with real passion, and that obviously passes through to the fans. So it does feel like we're, we're at the, the start, or, or we're, you know, we've just started on this this journey, um, which we all hope will ultimately take us back to to the top flight of English football, where you know we've spent the majority of our 
um, history as a football club. So we, we certainly feel that um, we are um, capable of being a top flight football club. Um, and yeah, yeah, the vibe around the place is really good. Um, and you know, you guys will have had this last season. When, when you've got a good vibe about the place, why not think, yeah, this could be our year. You know, it could be, it could be the start of, of our comeback. Um, and heck, you know, looking at clubs like Leicester, but not just Leicester, the, the other teams that were promoted from the championship last season, particularly, um, you know, Watford, who've had a, a good set of results. Um, you, you can look at it and think, why, why can, why can a, a team from the championship not go up and actually establish themselves in the, um, in the Premier League? Um, and why not us? You know, there's nothing to say that it, it can't be us that, that, that does it. And you talked about your transfer fees, like I said, which were you know maybe about ten million. But to be fair, your, your wages are pretty. In our in our books, anyway, they're quite ridiculous. I mean, thirty thousand pounds a year plus for players like Forestieri and everything like that is is literally it's out of our league. You know, our players are most of our players are not even on a third of that, and that probably goes to show you the gulf between a team like us. Even though we did, you know, we did perform last season, um, and, and your guys. And I know that you did come in for Alan Judge, and you know, there's a few little conversations flying to and fro as to whether or not you're going to get him, whether or not you didn't. And in the end, um, he stayed at Brentford. Whether or not you didn't want to pay the money, whether or not he decided that he wanted to stay at Brentford to um, maintain his first team football going into the Euros because he needed to be guaranteed first team. football going into the Euros to hopefully get his place. We're not quite sure exactly the reasons why, but we're very happy he's going to stay with us. What will happen after the summer? We have no idea, but we, we, we can't compete with clubs like yourselves and your Reddings and your Burnleys and your Hulls with your 20s and your £30,000 a week, which is it's a difficult situation for a club like us. I mean, don't, don't you see that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I've, I've got a lot of respect for clubs like um, Brentford and, and the... Um, the I don't mean this in a, disrespect, a disrespectful way, but the, the size of the club uh, that, that you are, that competing at the top end of the um, championship is, is a really good achievement. You know, you, you're right in the respect that there are, are clubs, and we've got clubs around here. We've got Rotherham who are, are in the championship at the moment. Granted, at the moment, not doing, doing brilliantly. Um, but they're another club that have got a really small budget. So it's, it's always kind of a battle, and they've got to manage the, the money they spend very well. And, and arguably, Rotherham probably haven't done it very well this, this season. But I think over the last um, couple of years, Brentford have done it really well. Um, and, and, and we've been in a not dissimilar situation. You know, but the last few seasons, we've been very limited in terms of our budget. We, we had an owner who did a brilliant job but said when he came in that he's not coming here to, to throw lots of money at it in, in Milan Mandarik. Um, he said the ship, but without um, kind of throwing the kind of money that someone has to throw at it in order to give you that boost that you need to kind of move you up towards being a contender for going up. Um, this, this season, you know, we've got a guy who's, who's been quite happy to do that. Um, our wage bill is big, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think Barry Bannon is pretty much our top earner on somewhere like 32, 32 three grand a week um, and a, a, a few players not far behind that in the kind of the the upper 20s uh, possibly pushing into the, the 30s so it is you know it's a, it's a fairly hefty um, hefty wage bill um, unfortunately it does kind of seem like that that is what you need to do um, to, to give yourself that shot of, 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 of going for it of going for the, for the Premier League um, we've seen clubs and, and, and Brentford last season is a good example of a club that, that has a damn good go at it without spending that kind of money. But it's really hard to sustain, and obviously you've seen that yourselves this season. And, you know, for us um, to get the players in that we needed to, to get in to really move us forward quite quickly, um, it's, it's cost a fair bit in, in wages. Well, I think for us, actually, it's more the point that, yes, we 
we, we find the players, we find them under rocks that no one knows them, we discover them, we develop them, we get them to the stage where all of a sudden they're very good, we have a great season, then everyone else just buys them because they offer them more money. And I think that's the problem that we have, and we're trying to get out of this situation from being an, you know, an unknown club to being a sort of slightly known club that can find decent players and then hang on to your decent players, and that's the difficult situation we're in. But coming back to the, the documentary that we did on you, the Wednesday guys, if you guys Google it out there, just Google the 72 review, do Wednesday, do Top Dog or something like that, and, and it'll ping up, or you can uh, you can actually get it on, on, on YouTube or uh, on, on a, there's a Facebook page called the 72 review. So you can could, you could check that out. It's all, it's all different. Nothing to do with Brentford. It's all about Wednesday and us being completely neutral. But coming back to Saturday, anyway, like I said to you, you say that your team is different um, from it was last season. Just name three differences that you've got which has made you better than last season. Um, well, I mean, in terms of players, um, Fernando Forestieri has been unbelievable for us this season. Um, you know, three, three million pounds we bought him for from, from Watford. Um, he didn't play when we played you guys earlier in the season. I can't remember if that was that he was, uh, I know he had a little period where he was out injured. So I'm guessing that that, that was, um, that was the reason why. Um, and he's been, you know, out of this world. He's been absolutely phenomenal for us. And, and, and he, I, I think even at this stage of the season, We've got a lot of contenders for who would be player of the season so far, but I think most Wednesday fans will probably say um, Forestieri, he's been dead consistent, he's been scoring goals, he creates goals, he works hard, um, he's really um, he's really flourished with a regular spot in the team, which is something that he never had at, at Watford, um, and he's really kind of come into his own. Um, so he's been fantastic. Um, two other players that have really stood out this season, Barry Bannon, who joined us on a free transfer from Crystal Palace, He's been knocking around in the Premier League for a few years, but not really getting much game time, and it's not really worked him for the last few clubs that he's been at. Um, came to Wednesday, and to be honest, we we, we signed him um, on a free transfer on, um, on on deadline day or the day before deadline day in the summer. Um, and I think most of us kind of thought, well, he's a bit of a maybe a squad player who's going to come in when when someone's injured. Um, but he went pretty much straight into the team. Um, he it took him a, a few games to kind of fully find his feet. Um, he did play when, when we came down to, uh, to Griffin Park, um, but I think that was at the time when he, he wasn't really kind of shining and we didn't really know what he was capable of. And well, as he's got into uh, match fitness, he's, he's been phenomenal this season and he runs and runs and runs. He can pick out a pass um, unlike anyone we've seen at Hillsborough for, for a long time. And, and we, we, we've been kind of talking about him in the same bracket as players like John Sheridan um, and um, you know, maybe even Chris Waddle in terms of their vision and the passes that they could pick out from our early 90s squad. Uh, Bannon's been you know, up there or thereabouts has been as, as, as good as those. Um, and then the third player that I'd pick out would have to be Gary Hooper, um, who joined us initially on loan from Norwich. Um, and I was down, his, his first game was when we uh, went down to Charlton. We lost the game 3-1 and we were awful, really bad. And that was uh, Gary Hooper's debut. Um, and he looked, he looked overweight, he looked slow, his touch wasn't very good. Uh, and we all said then, well, what, what are we doing here? Why are we, how are we paying this guy? Um, you know, we, we were paying him 30 odd grand a week in, in wages. Um, and we were just thinking, what, what have we brought in here? Um, and it went like that for a few weeks. He was very, very slow to, to kind of get going with us. But once he got up to match fitness and we saw what he's capable of, he's been smashing the goals in. Um, and he's got, I think it's like eight in his last seven games or something like that for us. Um, scored the two goals at Birmingham on, on Saturday. His movement is phenomenal. It's, it's brilliant. And it, it's a joy to watch a player that can pull defenders away and, and allow someone else to clean run on goal. He's an intelligent footballer. 
Um, he's banging form at the moment. He's a handful for any back four. Um, so, you know, his, his goals are what have really moved us from being, you know, kind of knocking around the, the top half of the championship to being inside the, the top six as we are now. So those three, Forestieri, Bannon and Hooper, they, they've been our, our kind of our three standout players. Indeed, and Hooper, I mean, he scored, he scored, I think he scored a couple of goals of the game that I, that I came up to see uh, the yeah. next game when we came up as well. Against, and, and again, he, he was the difference between the two sides as well. It was like, again, it's quite nice being a neutral because we, we, we're watching the game as a neutral, but we see the differences between, say, yourselves and our, our team. And we thought, OK, maybe we play better football or prettier football, but the incisiveness that you had in that third where Hooper bang in the back of the net I noticed that difference and I think coming back to talking about our side you'll hear a lot of fans will be talking about this we play great football best I think the top side in possession in the whole league you know possession means nothing if you don't put it in the back of the net you know unfortunately in the last third we've been a little bit lacking you know saying that you know we've had some great games up at Preston we had our best away game of the season fans had a great day out it was absolutely mayhem on the terraces the Preston fans were brilliant with us so we had a great day off the pitch and then we won the game as well so we played great football and scored scored the goals there as well which was great so you know we've got days like that but then we've got you know the fact that we you know we've we've lost a couple of games recently we've drawn a couple of games I mean, we lost against Brighton on the TV which is embarrassing 3-0 uh, we were rubbish we lost against Burnley 3-0 on the on the TV we were rubbish but that was the night that James Tarkowski our centre back decided he was going to go on strike which obviously has mm. not gone down very well with the fans so he got he got given a bit bit of the old cold shoulder and it was uh, a matter of time before he actually got transferred out of the club and back up north um, and also we had a player leave as well a uh, player called Tomani Diagorega who was almost on his way out from Brentford because he was not deemed as good enough about a season and a half ago but he just revamped himself recently and he's been a, you know one of the, he was a player of the season last season um, some people very kind of lazily sort of equate him to being a, a Vieira type player um, he, he's one of those sort of midfielders who he, he plays sort of decently in the middle of the park and he's probably a player that would have Leeds probably needed against you because he kind of actually would have mm. actually pulled the, the you know pulled the midfield together a little bit more so we've lost him so there's a couple of players that we've lost which uh, a lot of fans are not particularly happy about but we're in a bit of a rebuilding phase as you will see so we've mm. got a lot of sort of trial players coming in players who are just coming through the ranks and we're trying them out giving them game time a lot of players that we had signed who got injured very early on long-term injuries and they're just coming back in players like Lewis McLeod who we got from Rangers about I don't know about two years ago and I think he played his first yeah. game for us last weekend um, we've also got McEachern who we signed at the beginning of the season he got injured before the start of the season and he started his first game for us only a few weeks ago as well so we're going to be trying players out so it's a bit of a trial period for us but to be quite honest with you we're not particularly looking for any result on Saturday because we know that we are very very much you know, you know. Look at it in a trial period now at the moment. Now and up front, unless we really get it together, we're still not 100% firing all cylinders. But you never know. We might, we might surprise you. So um, Saturday, big game. Yeah. Confident. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm confident in the respect that I, I feel that we can. You know, we can beat anyone on our day. We're, we're in a good bit of form at the moment. Um, we are we're two points clear of, of Ipswich in, in seventh, um, and you know we, we we know that if we can go out and, and keep winning games, then we'll be in that top six, um, come what may. So um, you know I think that there, there is an air of confidence about the the place. Um, I hope it doesn't cross over into complacency or arrogance. Um, but you know I think it's, it's it's right that we've got this this feeling that on on our day we can beat anyone and. 
you know, in a couple of weeks' time, we we go to Hull on a Friday night for what's going to be, you know, a really, really big game. Um, I'll not call it a Yorkshire derby because they don't count. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a really interesting few weeks for us. On paper, we'll probably look at a game against um, against you guys and say it's a game we really should be we're getting three points out of. Um, as I've said on our podcast, I don't know how many times this season, there is no such thing as an easy win in the championship. It doesn't exist. Anyone can beat anyone on, on their day, um, from the teams right at the top to the teams right at the bottom. And we, we saw that on, on Tuesday night with MK Dons being a matter of seconds away from beating Middlesbrough. So, um, you know, we take nothing for granted, but I think if, if we turn in some, 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 uh, a performance of the sort that, that we've been doing recently, um, I, I think that we'll feel, you know, fairly confident that we can take three points from it. Um, Small prediction, but you know we've we've got mistakes in us. Don't get me wrong. Um, so you know I think that it, it's going to be I think it's going to be a good game of football. Um, Small prediction. prediction. I um, I'm going to go two 0 Wednesday. Two 0 Wednesday and myself. I think we're going to go down there. We've kind of got nothing to lose. They need to actually just get a rocket up their asses to be quite honest with you and actually. Give a little bit more respect to the fans who, unfortunately, are having to pay £36 to come to your ground, which I have to say is disgraceful. It's not a disrespect on Wednesday fans, so please don't take it with disrespect on yourself. It's just the fact that it's a lot of money to pay, and I think respect to the Liverpool fans who protested on the £77, and they got the club to return that around, turn that right around, and I think that's a real win for fans themselves, not just for Liverpool fans, but for football fans to show that if you actually say something and do a little bit of... uh, protesting, then you can actually kind of get what you want. And I think, you know, we're going to go up there and, you know, £36, we're going to say, and fingers crossed, I think just for that, I'm going to say that we'll get a point out of you guys because we need to get something if we're going to pay that much money. Yeah, but anyway, fair enough. Should be a good <laughs> listen, James, listen, good chatting to you, mate. I'm going to see you on Saturday in that little place above you-know-where where we'll have a few bits of blue beer if it's still available. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it was uh, it was last weekend, so uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, we'll um, yeah, we'll have a couple of blue pints, and it'll be a good day. Excellent. We'll have a couple of blue pints, and there'll be a few more Bradford fans in the bar. There was only two of us last time, but there'll be about seven thousand <laughs> of us this time. <laughs> You're all more than welcome. All right, mate. Okay, see you Saturday. So that was James from the Wednesday Week podcast. Very, very, very uh, enthusiastic. Very, very, very confident. Reckons that they've got a good chance of going up and they've got a great chance of beating Brentford. So hopefully that will go against him on Saturday, but I'm not too sure about it. But guys, I just want to go around and just ask you, against Wednesday on Saturday, what is one thing that you would just like to see or one thing you hope for? Matt? Um, I want to see um, a performance from um, the Brentford team that um, has a bit more structure in terms of playing in the top third of the pitch, because I think that's our, you know, that I, I think at the moment we're we're strong in the in the um, the middle third of the pitch, um, but um, and we all know our defensive frailties. But it's time now to see something a bit more in the top third of the pitch. So that's what I'm hoping for, and I want to see us attack Wednesday with a bit of pace. Nick. Yeah, I, I I agree pretty much with what Matt said. I would like to see a bit more uh, attacking flair, um, a bit more adventurous uh, style of play in the final third of the field. Um, I just want to be woken up a bit, you know, woken up and shake, shaken up. I felt I, I could have fallen asleep over our last two performances, really, um, not just because of the scoreline, but because of the, the, the way we played. So a bit of, bit of vim and vigour I'd like to see on Saturday because I really like going to Sheffield. I like it as a city. I like it as a place. I think the fans are quite good fun to be with. 
Um, so I'm looking forward to the visit and hopefully Brentford can uh, put a bit of uh, spark into their performance this time. Dave? I wonder what you're going to say then, Nick. There you go. Um, spark. Okay. Um, uh, what do I want? I want us to play like we did against Borough. Um, that's the kind of performance I want to see. And um, uh, then I think we've got the beating of them. Lucky enough, I saw I saw Wednesday play Leeds a few weeks ago. I thought they were okay. Um, I didn't think they were that special. If I'm being honest with you, um, I think we we could have the beating of them um, if we if we put in a Borough performance, if we put in a Brighton performance, they'll they'll do us easily. And, and for me, I mean, there's actually two things I'd like to see. One of them is just defensively for us to actually just tighten up so that we just don't let in do the silly mistakes that we have done as well. So that's the one main thing. But also the other thing is again going back to the Marseille game we were on Saturday. I know that he says out of our league, he used to play for Arsenal, Premier League and stuff, but it's interesting watching Diara in the midfield. Like we were sitting down there and we went, Hold on a second, who's that number ten? Because he was everywhere and he was the type of player that we would love in our side. Not necessarily him as such, but a player like him who was everywhere, breaking up the play, doing it up, distributing the ball out. He was here, he was there, he was everywhere. Fantastic. The job that he'd done and it's really funny because when you're in neutral, you look at a game, and then you look at certain players on there, you said, he'd do great in our side. And it's just like you, you realise the kind of player that you're missing in the side. And you may laugh going, oh, we can't afford him. And it's not like him as such, but, you know, that type of player in the side, which we're missing. And, you know, we've had that over the years. I know a lot of people talk about Douglas or whatever like that, but we're just saying that we the type of player who is just in there and he is really grafting in the centre of the midfield and he's really holding it together and making the plays from out there. And I think that, for me, I would love if one of our players transformed and absolutely did that. And maybe that might take weeks, but maybe they might just get the opportunity to do that on Saturday. But anyway... Listen, guys, I know it's been a little bit depressing after the Brighton game on Friday night. But it's a new week now. We've got Wednesday on Saturday. And fingers crossed that we get a result out of there. We've all given our results. Uh, well, I've given my result. I'm going to think we're going to go one all for the Bees. And uh, all I can say is, come on, everybody. Got to give the team a cheer. So, come on, you Bees! Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.